Hey, welcome back to Cathedral of the Rockies Amity Podcast. We are so glad to have you with us today. So we are continuing through the gospel according to Luke today with Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. And this is where Jesus teaches his disciples on how to pray. Now, if you've grown up in the church, you're probably familiar with the Lord's Prayer. And most likely the Lord's Prayer that comes from the gospel according to Matthew. Well, this is Luke's version of it, which is a little bit shorter. And it also follows up with two parables And they kind of describe the father that we're praying to when we're praying. So probably the first question you might ask is, why does Luke follow up the prayer with these two parables? What is the point of that? And one thing I would respond is, is I would also ask, how might an individual's history with or relationship to their own father or parent in general affect how they view God as father or just as a parent in general? Well, I think Ben draws this out pretty nicely and kind of gets to a key idea in Luke's telling of this story, as well as just like considering the different audience he's writing to. Um, He'll draw on that as well. So yeah, I hope you're able to gain some insight and maybe some fresh perspective into this pretty well-established prayer in Christian tradition. So yeah. Um, one quick side note, for those of you that are listening in real time, in meaning that you're listening when these come out, um, next week the episode will be late. It'll probably come out Tuesday because I will be on vacation until then. Um, so if just wanted, yeah, just wanted to give that in case, you know, you're waiting for it on Sunday and it's not showing up. Well, it's because I'm not around to get it up on time. Um, so Tuesday should go up uh, when I get back. Um, later in the day so anyways uh yeah that'll be it let's get you to ben's sermon and enjoy Well, as I said at the beginning of the service, how do we approach God in prayer? When you think of God, who is, what is the most primary characteristic of God to you? When, and let's, let's try this right now before we read this passage. What's one word you would use to describe God to you? Love. Love. Forgiveness. Peace, always present. Did I hear power out there as well? Yes. Wonderful. Well, all of these things, we never, unless you have a superpower that I don't, we can never approach God with just a blank slate, right? We come to God with all of our preconceived notions, our perspectives, our our life experiences. We come to God shaped in those ways. And Jesus in Luke chapter 11 gives us a really good picture of how to approach God understanding who God is. So let's listen to this passage today. This is Jesus in Luke chapter 11, and we're going to read until verse 13. Listen to these words. 
Jesus was praying in a certain place, and when he finished, one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. So Jesus told them, when you pray, say this, Father, uphold the holiness of your name. Bring in your kingdom. Give us the bread we need for today and forgive us our sins. For we also forgive everyone who has wronged us and don't lead us into temptation. He also said to them, imagine that one of you has a friend and you go to that friend in the middle of the night. Imagine saying, friend, loan me three loaves of bread. Because a friend of mine is on a journey has arrived and I have nothing to set before him. So imagine further that he answers from within the house. Don't bother me. The door is locked already and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I assure you, even if he won't get up and help because of his friendship, he will get up and give his friend whatever he needs because of his friend's persistence. And I tell you, ask and you will receive. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Everyone who asks receives. Whoever seeks finds. To everyone who knocks, the door will be open. And then Jesus said this, which parent among you would give a snake to your child if the child asked for a fish? If a child asked for an egg, what parent among you would give the child a scorpion? No parent in here would do that? Okay, good. If you who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? This is the written word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So really the primary purpose in this passage is Jesus teaching his disciples how to approach God in prayer. How we think and imagine God to be shapes how we pray. I I had a professor who would always say, if you want to know someone's theology, listen to how they pray. They will pray with their most deeply held beliefs. And God is actually rarely addressed as father in Jewish prayers. One thing to think in mind, the way that it's written in Luke, did it hit anybody as different? It wasn't our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's Matthew's version. And we've learned Matthew's version really, really well. But the thing about Matthew and Luke is that Matthew's gospel is written to a Jewish audience. Luke's gospel is written to a Gentile audience, people who weren't raised in Judaism or understanding the Torah or anything like that. So Luke's gospel is presented to what we would call Gentiles, people who don't didn't grow up knowing Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, or Rachel, Leah, or Rebecca, any of these stories. And so Luke is trying to meet them where they are. And so Jesus is working in a Gentile context to try to teach these disciples how to pray. And God wasn't really referenced as father except for in Deuteronomy or Isaiah in the Old Testament. Often God is seen as Yahweh in the Old Testament. But for the for new Gentile Christians, Luke is being an expert here in meeting them where they are too. Because in Greco-Roman society, fathers had all of the power over their children. 
There was a custom that is really important to understand here when Jesus is talking about God as father or God as parent, that the father had the divine right in Greco-Roman society to decide if their children should be kept when they're born or discarded or given away. So the father had complete arbitrary authority, no matter what anyone would say over what future that child would have, if they would have a future at all. So imagine a society that functioned that way, how many parents or fathers would abuse and take advantage of that divine right, that they would discard their children if they were unwanted. Many children, if they had a deformity or uh, uh, mental health issues, or if they were a girl, they would be discarded without even a second thought. And so this is the kind of context that Jesus is coming and saying, if you, when you go to pray, pray like this, our father. So then imagine how a Gentile would go and say what their thoughts of a father would be. Not, not overly peaceful, right? It, we, they would think of a, of a father who has all divine power over their family and would use that power to the father's advantage, not out of love and care for the children. So Jesus is teaching them the Lord's Prayer, but this is why these parables that also don't show up in Matthew show up here in this passage, because Luke is trying to help the Gentile audiences understand who God is as our father, our parent. Um, I, I honestly think this is where our Wesleyan theology has really helped me immensely. Let me give you a quick difference between Wesleyan and Calvinist approach to theology, okay? For Wesleyans, our primary, we believe, John Wesley believed that God's primary attribute, his primary characteristic is love. So everything that flows from God's being is dictated by love. Even God's sovereignty, right? Even God's power is dictated primarily by God's love. For Calvinism, and I, you always have to remember that Calvinists out Calvin Calvin sometimes, right? Okay? And we Wesleyans sometimes out Wesley Wesley, right? Lutherans out Luther Luther, right? So everybody, who's st the, the movement that started, oftentimes the followers take it way beyond what the founder wanted, right? But for Calvinism, the, the primary char characteristic of God is sovereignty, power, so even God's love is dictated by God's power, sovereignty. This shapes a lot of what you'll hear as like double predestination, right? When God created all of the world, all of humanity, God knew who was going to go to heaven and who would die in hell. And so God's love is for the elect, for those who would be saved and the rest would be damned to eternity. Wesleyans, we don't find that helpful we start really with John 3.16, for God so loved the world that God laid down his own life for the world that whosoever believes in him will not perish, right? And so when, whenever I was kind of deconstructing my idea of God, this Wesleyan idea of God's primary characteristic being love and everything that flows from God is dictated by love, has been such a vital part for me to think of how I pray, 
to God? Is this a God who's holding power over me, waiting for me to fall, waiting for me to fail? Is this a wrathful, vengeful God? Or is this a God whose primary characteristic is love? This is what Jesus is trying to help his audience think of when he's teaching them to pray. The God is loving, generous, and kind, not a power-hungry father in the ways that the Gentiles would have known, Uh, who measured up what is given to you based on your value to God rather than by God's love for you inherently. It's one thing to pray the Lord's Prayer. It's another way to understand how we are praying to the Lord. Are we praying to God we believe loves us? Or are we praying to a God who we believe loves power over us more? (laughs) This is illuminated by the two parables that, that Jesus told. The first is about having a friend who would go to another friend in the middle of the night to ask for three loaves of bread. Now, what do you learn right off the bat from that parable? If your friend is coming over at 3 a.m. in the morning, pounding on your door, asking for bread, it better be a really good friend, right? Who's doing that. Even in this parable, you get that kind of agitation. They are probably best friends because in the first century, you wouldn't just go pounding on somebody's door in the middle of the night. And you get this really interesting phrase, I'm in bed with my children, that gives you an idea that first century operates a little bit different than we do, right? <laughs> they would have one place where everybody slept. The kids, the, the aunts and uncles, there would be a room where everyone would sleep. Why? Because in nomadic cultures, that's the way that you stay safe. Everybody's in one place because you're most vulnerable at night. So everybody's in bed. Even the children are asleep. And we all know how hard it is to get kids to sleep, right? So you have somebody pounding on the door at 3 a.m. in the morning for three loaves of bread. So it better be a close relationship. And that's really what Jesus is trying to emphasize here. Even that close friend wouldn't even give it, get out of bed to give this friend a loaf of bread, but God is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. So Jesus is not saying that God's going to be like this friend who says, go away, I'm tired, and I must sleep. (laughs) What Jesus is really trying to emphasize is even sometimes your best friends are going to be caught in times where they can't give you what they need, but God sticks even closer than them. So don't stop asking, don't stop knocking, don't stop seeking God is on the move to give you what you are asking. So be persistent. The door will be open. It may not be in our timetable. And man, I wish God would operate it on my timetable in my prayers. But I think one of the biggest lessons in life for that was I, I, got, I met Rebecca when I was 34 years old. And I don't know if you know this, but being raised in the church they make marriage a big deal. And when you're single, you really feel like it's a big deal and you're missing out, right? And what's the big, like, I don't know for you, but growing up, it's like college. That's the time you're gonna meet the, you know, your wife, your spouse for the rest of your life. Graduated college, no one. I'm like, okay, I better get my master's. 
Got to try it the second time. <laughs> Graduated my master's two and a half years later. No one. Better go to seminary. <laughs> Went through seminary two and a half years later. No one. Well, I guess that thing is, the theory is just not working, Right. So I went and became a, a senior pastor. And man, if you don't want any weird, awkward comments whatsoever, people bring in their, their nieces and, their, and their, their daughters to church on Sunday, be a single pastor in ministry, right? That'll never happen that way. I served at my previous church for seven and a half years, still not meeting someone. I say all that to say, if God would have answered my prayer on my timetable, I may not be married to Rebecca today. Because I met her exactly when both of us were ready. And it was the hardest part of my journey to feel this longing to be in a relationship with somebody who loved me and I could come home and they'd just know me. My dog is wonderful, she listens really well, but she can't talk back to me, right? But it's, I prayed fervently and struggled so much to wonder what God was doing. But it was at the right moment. And we met on Instagram, not in college, Okay, so put that myth down to the side. You may or may not meet someone at college, but God's going to bring about this, whatever you're praying for. Don't stop knocking on the door. But also, friends, don't, don't come to God's preconceived notion of what it has to look like and when. Because that brings a lot of hurt. When I was praying for Rebecca, I never could have imagined Rebecca. Rebecca exceeded all of my imagination, right? And so when you come to God in prayer, don't come with this preconceived notion of what it should look like because God will always exceed your imagination. So don't stop knocking. Don't stop asking. Continue to seek and you will find something that just obliterates your expectations. You will, because God is a God who cares for you. The, the second parable is, is inviting these Gentile disciples into the role of a parent. And Jesus is like, which one of you, if your child asked for a fish, would give them a snake? Which one of you parents, when your kid asks for an egg, would give them a scorpion, right? Your child is hungry, and it, it is manipulative and coercive and rude to give your kids something that would harm them. I can't imagine putting a scorpion into my son's hands who's asking to be fed, right? That is a parent that doesn't care about their kids who's doing that, right? And no parent who loves their children would respond that way. Foster isn't even able to put words together but he's able to demand things, right? <laughs> when I know that he's hungry, I may be exhausted like I am right now. I may be tired, but my number one pull is to meet his need, right? And I've never really known what it means to be a parent like that until Foster came along. 
And to imagine that when we come to God, we're not to picture a God who's just waiting to maybe give you a harmful thing or to give you things that will hurt you in the long run or is just waiting for you to fail to show you how bad you are or how wrong you are. God is a parent that is always wanting to hear your heart and to give you good things. God is a loving parent who wants to give you good things. And so when we come to God in prayer, understanding that we are coming to a God who is a loving, caring parent, not one who's waiting to manipulate you, not one who is waiting for you to fail, not one who is measuring you to this arbitrary standard. God is valuing you in God's love and is waiting to meet you right where you are. So how do you envision God today? Do you envision God as the deep, kind, loving parent that God is? Or are there some things that need to be broken apart in your picture of who God is that doesn't really reflect reality, that's more harmful, of, of God waiting to, to bring about harmful things in your life? Uh, two action steps uh, as we finish this sermon today. I really want you to deconstruct your view of God. As you pray, try to clear out your mind of anything that might be standing in the way of you entering into God's presence, knowing that God is a loving parent for you. And secondly, how are we reflecting the God that Jesus described to others? I often put myself in the shoes of the friend who is all bundled up for the night, only to get a knock at 3 a.m. from a friend. How would I respond in that moment? Right? How would I respond? Do we know how others perceive us? Are we the kind of friends that they know that they can turn to in their time of need? Are we known for our loving and kind generosity like our God? Let us pray. Lord God, as we reflect on this time of, of how important it is to understand the loving God that you are, I pray that you would help us with our understanding of you that if there's anything that's holding us back from seeing how incredibly loving and kind you are, would you just break those things away and, and help us to just come into your presence knowing that you are our parent. Jesus said, Abba, Father, which means, means dad, father, daddy, close, close relationship to you. I just pray that you would help us to understand that closeness with you this morning. And let us see that kind generosity reflected from us to others today. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to, we'd very much appreciate it if you would subscribe to this podcast as well as rate and review it. Also, if you'd like to connect with us, you can email us at amity.campus at boisefumc.org. That email will be in the show notes. Finally, as a smaller congregation, our budget is pretty tight. If you'd like to help out and donate to us, there is a link to do so in the show notes. Of course, no pressure, only if you're feeling called to give. 
but more income does mean possibly more content and better quality of content, as well as supporting our current ministries and those we'd like to expand on. Thank you. I hope you have a wonderful rest of the day.